Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Festival Reviews. This is where we, Yuri Turchin and I, Christina Kotlar, your host, talk about uh, the film festivals that we go to and the movies that we see and the experience that we have going to film festivals because that's what it's all about, having a great film festival experience. And today we're going to be talking about our experience at Tribeca Film Festival. This is the 17th annual Tribeca Film Festival out of New York, and it's my 16th of going there and seeing all the films and all the changes and everything that's been going on from the beginning to the time now. And together with Yuri, hello Yuri. Hello, hello Christina. This is our eighth together? Together. Yes, since we started, I introduced you to the film festival world when we started uh, going out together, and I think um, you found it quite interesting. What an adventure. Over the years, Over especially. Over the years, yes. So we, we Each went... one was different. I see improvements in it this year that we didn't have to jump around all over the city. That's what happened in the very, very beginning when it was going into its fifth and sixth and seventh years. It really expanded. It went to all kinds of different areas of New York because I think they were rebuilding, of course, down in Tribeca. And, but there were a lot of other things that were going on too. They had a lot of family day events and uh, I don't know, it just didn't seem really have that kind of connectedness of a film festival because we had to be on the subway quite a bit, traveling across town, uptown, downtown. So now it seems like we have that one place down in Tribeca. So it's in this very large building and it's on Varick Street and it has different levels and you'll be able to see movies there because we did that last year we saw the movie about johnny rotten and then there was the vr which still goes on uh, the virtual reality the augmented reality the technology that's going in there i think this year they expanded into television and web series and we'll talk about that later because we met this really cute couple mm -hmm. in yes, the, we did. In in the, the uh, press lounge yeah, the press lounge was great. You know, you were able, able to really relax there, and they had all kinds of, um, they had a lot of panels going on there. So we didn't get to see all of that. We were really into just wanting to see the, the movies. So we headed uptown to Chelsea area, and, and we went to the theater that was across from the School of Visual Arts. Mm -hmm. And that's where they had a lot of screenings, and that's where the red carpet would go. We really didn't see any red carpet things, but we were going for the press and industry screenings. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love the book that they give out, the FIP book. It's for filmmakers, industry, and press. And it gives you everything that's going on, and description of the films and who's making it and where it comes from and how to get in touch with people. So I really love this. This is, this is the Bible that we walk around with. It's a little heavy, but I think it's great. And the first film that we got to see 
course, we were able to go on Monday because I had a little accident and <laughs> and had stitches in my in my wrist because I broke my wrist the week you know a few weeks before. We went to see this movie called Braid. And you always ask me, what are we going to go see? And I say, I don't know. It depends on the time that we get in and have availability. And I said, well, this looks interesting. So let's go see it. And what did you come away with it? Or how did you react to that opening scenes and the setup? At first, there are two women in a loft that's abandoned. And it seems like they're selling drugs and they're doing a, a big uh, sell there. It's like $80,000. Then all of a sudden you hear the police raid and they escape. Where did they escape to? They went to another friend's house in Montpelier in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's uh, the, an heiress who's a little off the wall. She's a little wacky, but she's a childhood friend. So these are three childhood friends. The two went off to be in New York and come back because they lost the money, and so they're being apparently chased after by this well, drug dealer. Well, they're criminals now, and they're being chased by the law. Well, okay. Besides the... Right, but what happens is they... This film is by, by Mitzi Peron. Mm -hmm. So I love that we've got this kind of offbeat horror and thriller film made by a woman. Mm -hmm. about these three childhood friends who play games and the, the games turn really weird and very dangerous and destructive and you don't know what's going to be happening next. So what did you think of it? It was a roller coaster ride. You could for me. not tell one could not tell at first what the reality was and what the non reality was. And it kept switching. And you don't know which scenes were real, for real, or the, the scenes they were hallucinating. Because the ones that were selling the drugs, were they also using them at the time? It seemed like it. They were right? taking them on the train. Right, You right. know, on the train but, ride but going even there. So, even so, at the house, once they all hooked up as the trio, one plays the doctor, one plays the victim, or a, a uh, patient. And the other one was what? The, the mother. The mother, okay. The mother. And so these are games, you know, these are growing up games. You know, when we were little, we used to play these kind of games too. It was always playing house. Or, you know, you have a doctor there and you have a patient and you start exploring things or you're making, you're cooking things up mm -hmm. and you're making the other patient eat the stuff that you made out of the sandbox. I mean, everybody would probably have a story about this. But here you have them grown up and going back 
to their childhood and saying, okay, we're going to play these games. And every time we see something like the doctor's tools or something, mm -hmm. and I have to close my eyes because I, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really sure what's happening. And because they come back, you're right. They come back and it looks like they're okay. But before that, they looked like they were really getting hurt. So Yeah, there are scenes where I was con constantly trying to disseminate what was going on, if it was real or not real, and why and, and how and what sequence. It's brilliantly done. As I thought far as it, it concerned. It was beautifully shot. The production value was very high end, I have to say. Top notch. True, true. And, being and they in, didn't use a lot of sets. They used the house. There were a few outdoor scenes. There was the train scene in the beginning, the loft scene. There wasn't, there weren't many, like, it wasn't, wasn't like a panorama of, of a lot of sets. It was just very concentrated and interesting because just the momentum just kept going the momentum kept on going were you following thinking like what's going to be happening next was it a satisfying I, ending I let, for I let you it take me i let the movie take me where it wanted to i didn't anticipate i didn't pre try to like i said anticipate or disseminate something that should have happened logically in my mind. I let the writer do this. I let the director do it. Let my reaction to it be what it is now. It's a wonderful movie, great acting, great directing, great DP. Director of photography. The photography was phenomenal. The lighting, the music was grating. It was perfect in, in all its execution and thematic thematic portrayal of the scene itself. In other words, it was apropos to every scene, the music. And the colors and the vibrance. I really felt I was on drugs watching, <laughs> <laughs> you know, watching this thing. I think the you know, next time, you know, I, I like the thriller movies. It, while it did have the violence that a lot of the horror movies and the thrillers use, it wasn't used gratuitously until the end, where it really was applied. And I was very impressed with the way this director was using that, which is very shocking. And you think about some of these things, how mean these characters were in the past, you know, when the, and, and it's kind of like having a revenge of what happened when they were children mm -hmm. <laughs> coming yeah, right, back right. to the present or because of this unbalanced personality that they would hide into this house and saying that no everybody knows this person so they leave her alone and it's a great place for them to hide from everybody but is it worth the price to live that way and to continue with the game as it right. ended, right. you always questioned that. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Is it worth Good point. Yes. Was it worth it? Oh, this was definitely <laughs> worth it. I would, I would definitely I would see it again. again. I would definitely. too. Definitely. I, I put it on How my list. How many stars? How many stars? I don't know. Let's give it a bell. <laughs> <laughs>
So the next film we saw right after this, we kind of took a deep breath and saying, oh, all right, let's go into another one. So we had an opportunity to see this daughter of mine. Tutto gira e tutto torna come era. Italian movie. It was in the main competition of the Berlin International Film Festival. And the director is Laura Bispori. We just got in at the very, very beginning because this movie was ending. So we got into the very beginning. We found what the story was. It was a 10-year-old girl, Vittoria, and she's spending the summer in a Sardinian coastline neighborhood whatever. Sardinia is beautiful from what we were watching there. Mm -hmm. So she has an overprotective mother. And then what we find out is that she really has a birth mother who is ready to move from Sardinia and wants to spend some time with her. So she arranges it with the mother now, the adoptive mother, mm -hmm. to be able to spend some time with her. But we don't know if Vittoria knows who's who just yet, but we suspect that she will find out. And that's what happens with this movie. It just goes very, in a slow way. Well, I was but thinking it, it, it was like, a, if I were to compare it to a musical score, how it slowly develops as Largo, like a slow pace. You don't know what's going on. The scenery is beautiful. You can see that the little girl, 10-year-old, does not look like anything like her adopted mother. Who She, at this point, doesn't know she's been adopted, correct? Right, but she suspects. She's, right. But, that because but she doesn't fit thing, in. She, does, she suspects she, well, that she's like the odd duck. She starts realizing that she looks a lot like... Angelina? Yeah, the sort of the trampy woman. Right. Okay? Because she's got red hair, it's curly... It's close, more close to the... Um, Angelica. 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 Yeah, there you go. Who is... <laughs> you, we all know an Angelica. It's somebody who is a free spirit, has a gypsy soul. Uh, she lives her life. She goes by her own rules. She, she dances to another beat of a different drummer. And she sometimes falls by the wayside and picks herself up and gets into trouble and and not a lot of people have a very good opinion of her because again she does not go by the trappings of society social things that people say oh you have to be married have a family have a house she has animals she had horses and she's got a dog with puppies and she sells the animals you know to be able to live on this little farm but yeah, she also has her boyfriend. Well, she's so she not grounded. Out. She's not no. grounded. She's a bohemian. Her uh, Victoria's adopted mother, Tina. Tina. So they're security. sisters. They're sisters, are right? They, no, I don't think you so. You don't think they're sisters? Oh, no, no. I thought they were sisters, Tina and Angel Angelique. I didn't get that impression at all. Oh. They seem too far apart in in. Well, that happens quite often within well, maybe, a family. I guess maybe I'm naive about that, but 
Tina offers stability, a father for, for young Victoria, and security, education, and the mobility to improve yourself versus the other one. Her, not, her, on, not only that, but she's overprotective. I mean, they too. sleep in the same oh, room. Right. They right. sleep... And every time she does something, she keeps an eye on her like a hawk, you know, right. and, and tries to include her with these group of girls. And she just actually does not feel like she's a part of them. So I think at this age, she's at the crossroads, and it's a coming-of-age story where she decides, okay, she would like to spend time, her, her uh, Angelica wants to spend some time with her, and right away, it's not really great, you know, Angelica has a hangover or whatever, and, and tells her to do something, and kind of, you know, just isn't very motherly, mm -hmm. but what she does in return is take her into a different zone, into a different realm, she's out in in nature she's with the dog and the and the horses and then when they've taken the horses to sell and she realizes that the horses are going to be killed and she says something to angelica and angelica decides not to sell the horses so she takes them back and then she takes the money also so she has to repay the money and she takes the horse back so she gets herself into more trouble because of this little girl mm -hmm. but what they do is for whatever reason, there's there's this kind of bond that they have because she takes her to places to go swimming. She teaches her how to go underwater to hold her breath, to climb into these little holes because on Sardinia, they have these places where you have digs and you unearth all these old artifacts from previous generations of people living there and on the black market it's a lot of money and so angelica is trying to entice her to go down this little hole that only go victoria them. could fit in i know right and then of course with the two women the tina feels she's losing her sway over the daughter but i think it's more about the little girl even though they want to say oh you know that's her real birth mother. Yeah, I think that was very obvious. I don't think that was the part of the movie that we needed to get. When this girl, 10-year-old Victoria, became strong, you know, after she accomplished what she did towards the end, we're not going to say anything more about the movie, about what exactly happened, but I feel really good for her. I love the pace of it. Normally, you would you go to movies these days and it's all quick editing action plotless at times etc etc and here you have a you have to sit back and truly enjoy let's say victoria walking the paths and trying to find her way it was almost symbolic where she was trying to find her way moving slowly you don't see that anymore you very rarely see a movie where the pacing is slow on purpose Right, a lot and of it is so fast. music was great. It yes. was edgy at times when Angelica was in the scene. Otherwise, it was really not that... There wasn't much of a score going on. This was so sparse. Very, very low-key. And, and the actors, their expressions said a lot. And the peripheral actors. They were rough-hewn. There were bar scenes. There was a lot of drinking. There was also the... The fact that Sardinian peasantry was 
fishermen, and you saw the hardships of how, how hard they worked. So there, there was a rough edge to this in the music, in the characters, in the scenery, because it wasn't friendly. It was just desert-like almost, because all the trees were cut down long ago. Right. So it's right. very, very... You could hear that wind. Arid. Yes. And at that summer yeah. point where, where they were filming in that season, there's a lot of aridity to the emotions, to the scenery, and to the act, and acting, no. Uh, but the music was sparse. If you want to call it arid with a Scirocco wind. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so do we give it Yes, a absolutely. Absolutely. This is one to, to keep an eye out for and, and go see it when you get a chance to, wherever it may play. I hope it does get distribution because it's, it's very wonderful. worthwhile. It's wonderful. All right. Now I'm going to jump to the next one, which is the St. Bernard Syndicate. Because we were talking about hardships and we we're talking about different cultures and hardships and this is a Danish movie and it's weird movie I don't know it was really offbeat and weird it did win an award for one of the actors it seems like these two particular actors it was Frederick Jorgensen and Rasmus Bruun they call them the odd couple of comedy so Ras Rasmus did get an award mm -hmm. for this, but it was a story of one of them, I believe it was Rasmus, who is diagnosed with a very serious illness, and so his friend is taking him around the world, and in order for them to do that, they decide and go into China to sell St. Bernard dogs to the upper class now that think that that's a cool thing to do. You know, how, how did they go about doing it? We didn't see the entire movie of it, but what we did see was very offbeat and kind of... Implausible. I didn't find it believable. Uh, I didn't think it was that funny. Didn't strike me as the kind of movie that I would want to see again, or even part of it again. Yeah, I had a lot of the the Chinese business tactics and we're not really sure if this was really tongue-in-cheek and they I don't know it was all over the place I thought but I think people should go see it to make up their own mind about it don't you oh definitely if they have that opportunity I, I I'd, think I'd like that to see it from the beginning I don't want to give it too much of a negative we um, like the dog dollar well, yeah, that was the name, that was the name of the dog. All he could was, where's Dollar? You know, yeah. And he was hidden away somewhere, and they rescued him. All in all, it had a happy ending, yes. somewhat. Mm -hmm. And the so following that dog theme, which was unusual, because this happened to be scheduled at the same time, almost overlapping. So we got to see the the dog movie that we really loved and that was smuggling hendrix smuggling hendrix it is <laughs> <laughs> that dog all right so 
It won the Best International Narrative Feature. The director is Marios Peperides. And the story, we have a Greek Cypriot man. So this is all being shot, shot on, Cyprus. on Cyprus, right? So there's this young musician who rescues his dog, Jimmy, who escapes and runs off into the Turkish-occupied territory, this no-man's land between... So you could explain that a little bit more, the history of the Cyprus Well, in War. 1973, there was a partition to settle a Turkish invasion on Cyprus because it, it's like a classic thing. We, the Greeks are, are discriminating on our Turkish population. So in order to save it, the Turk military invades in 1973. And there's a short war between that and that, and those two countries, Greece and Turkey. Then there's the UN comes in, sets up a partition, and a boundary line, a no man's land, just like a DMZ in South and North Korea, like it was in Vietnam. So you have a no man's land, and the UN patrols it. You can easily go from Greece section to Turkey, but it's hard to come back from Turkey to Greece. And you can't bring an but, animal but with you. you cannot bring in produce or animals. animals. <laughs> and this premise is what's the beauty of it, because the dog escapes. Jimmy runs off into the Turkish section. Yanni. Yanni. Y-I-A-N-N-I. Yanni goes... Trying to find him. Right, because not only that, but it's his ex-girlfriend's dog, too. Right. They were right. sharing it, but he's now minding the dog on their separation. And all kinds of adventures happen, of course. But what happens when he goes over the territory, and he kind of makes friends with one of the guards right. on, on the side. He says, warns him, you know, you, you can go over there, but... I, I'm not involved, so everybody doesn't Nobody want to be, take responsibility. <laughs> Nobody wants First to be involved. First of all, uh, Yanni lives above a store called No Borders Lingerie. That's I love that. That's how it opens up. I love so that. So that you don't realize it in the beginning that No Borders is just a euphemism because it really there is no border, but there is. There right. are no rules, but there are. You need a passport, but you don't. You need IDs, but don't you don't. And it just goes on with this idiot, these idiosyncrasies of diplomatic wonderworks. I, I can't, a mesh of trouble for anybody that falls into the trap. And Yanni falls into the trap. But so he gets his dog. I mean, this is, right. again, in the beginning of the movie, he gets the dog, but he also sees the house that his family used to own that was on taken... On the Turkish side. On the Turkish side that was no longer... That's where he grew up, right. and that was his family home. So he's coming back with the dog, and then they stop him and say, you can't take the dog. Mm. And so they take the dog away. <laughs> yeah, so right. he's trying to figure out a way to get the, the dog back. So his ex-girlfriend helps him get across. He gets back to the house... And that's where he meets the guy who now owns the house. Who was it, born there, too. And he was born there. He goes, this is my house. You right. know, so that whole thing was back that and forth. That exchange was wonderful. Oh, like, no, God. this is my house. No, this is my I was born here. Well, I was born here, too. And you took this house away from me. And it just it typifies the things that happened during World War II when the Germans were chased out of Alsace-Lorraine. All the different border the changes. Czechs were hating the Germans at that point, so they 
Two million Germans had to, families, etc., had to be expatriated. You see that, oh, in Cambodia and the Vietnamese aren't welcome there. You know, there's this whole disparity in, in who belongs where. I, even though I was born here, I belong here, but I don't belong here, That's according right. to somebody else. Exactly, according to the, the, <laughs> and it, and it's the map and yeah. the, or the UN. Exactly. The peacekeepers are there, yeah. you know, so that's another oh, one. Such, it, it was very it funny. It was so well written, so engrossing, and of course there's... Uh, the, oh, the, the smuggler. The smuggler. They, hi yeah, they the, hired the smuggler the, who goes, I don't like you, and I don't like you, but... When, and he goes, wait a minute, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many comedic moments. Or can you but bring it was over? so plausible. It wasn't as though th this thing was written and you would and had a you had to have suspension of disbelief. You it it was all believable. Believable. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish this on no one. And the music was great. Oh, the music was great. Yes. yes. It was very contemporary. It was as if the main character, who was a musician, says, right, why are you moving to Denmark? Who's going, because Holland. Holland, right? He goes, I, I, I can make a living anywhere as a musician. Yeah, and I, of course I laugh. <laughs> but there were so many other moments. He befriends the, the man that owns the house now that he grew up in as a Greek. They find the smuggler. So they become a trio. It's like the, the the three musketeers in a very novel way. There's two Turks and the Greek. You know? <laughs> it's very funny that you get this movie that is politically, you know, kind of... Satire. It's a it, satire. It is. And then you have the dog. And just as in Shakespeare in Love, that's what they want. Oh, they wow. want comedy. And that's what people want. They want comedy and a bit with the dog. Right, right. That was beautifully said. That's, that's, and that's what this is. Yeah. It's a it's a great comedy. It's a great satire. It really says a lot about people mm. saying, you know, these so, no borders. <laughs> uh, we could talk about this forever. We also came home, and because we had press passes, we could get into the library and watch it in, at home again. And we did. And we did. And it was just as good, and we saw more things that perhaps we missed the first time we saw it. Right, because in the very beginning... No Borders. And the very beginning, there was the newspapers and the newsreels on right, television right, right. talking about uh, peace talks and, and things like that. So mm -hmm. anyway, a lot of good stuff that's going on. It's a great movie. It's a great music movie. It's a great dog movie. It's a great political movie. Uh, it's a great world movie. What was the theme at the end of the song? The song at the end, and you kept singing over oh, the rooftops, underground. Right, underground. <laughs> it was so Greek and yet so reggae. It was. <laughs> when there's a trap set up for you in every corner of your room, and so you learn the only way to go is. Through the roof ooh, ooh, ooh. Through the roof Underground ooh, ooh, ooh. Through the roof Underground And as we're crossing 
the whole the whole score was like a subliminally reggae beat with Greek music on top. Loved it. Highly recommend that. Thing. Oh, I love it. Okay. The rest of the week, we did spend some time in the uh, the lounges, lounge yeah. in the lounges, and we got a chance to talk to a, a young couple <laughs> who were working on a web series, and it was called Home. Right. So we still haven't seen it, but when we were talking to them about it, which was so interesting because here we are, we've been around for a long time, yes. although we've only been married eight years, but we've lived many decades, yeah. you know, going through different changes in our lives, and they're just starting out. So they've been married five years, and they moved. They were married? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they moved from somewhere, Midwest, right, and to L.A., and so they're talking about how to make a home in a place where you don't feel like this is your home. Mm -hmm. And Micah, who is the, the young man, he was originally, they met, you know, he and his, his wife. He was talking about that he was... He used to be a stand-up comedian. Yes, talking about being homeschooled in the woods. Oh, he had me in stitches when he said Just that. Just saying that alone. But we, we were exchanging good things because why we were there, what was going on, that we were making a film for the Asbury Park Festival too, correct? And we had a, we had an acceptance there. So we shared a lot of... Lot similar, of similar things, working know, together as a team and, because they work together. Right. On that, and that's what we do as True. well. Uh, so there were a lot of things that we had in common and but they being, were a lot of fun. Being from this metropolitan area, we also steered them because... Where, where can we go see a concert? What can we do to do this and that? While they so were in we New York. So we steered them into some, what I would call, the right places. Right, the list of clubs where you should go see, yeah. you know, to make sure that you get that feeling, that ambiance of what was going on. And that's what we do when we talk about the film festival, and especially the Tribeca Film Festival, but some other ones that we will be talking about right. in future episodes. So overall, uh, we, we really like this year's. The only thing that uh, we still need to discuss, and that is something that is, is for a completely different show, but that is an award that went to a short film called um, yes. Phone Duty, which is, went to a Russian, British-Russian filmmaker who somehow got access to the Russian insurgents, to the Russian terrorists, who are infiltrating uh, and are involved with the um, the war with Ukraine. I mean, they've invaded, and they are very aggressive, and they're attacking the people, civilians and soldiers in Ukraine. And this short film called Phone Duty, which highlights one of these aggressors, uh, was given an award for a short film. And that's something that I think that bothered us quite a bit. There were 55 short films there and you give it to a short film that is it's condoning funny. terrorism yeah. and you know aggression and war and you know just killing. I'm, I'm sorry that's like giving ISIS an award yeah. a, a story about ISIS or are giving an award to the pilots who flew into the World Trade Center and giving them, you know, a, a, an award about a, a film that, you know, focusing on the, on the pilots. It's something that doesn't sit well. 
you know, with people who are living through this and who are losing loved ones and family members, their homes and everything. And I think that's a responsibility for film festivals to look into that also. If they don't know that much about it, these jurors or the uh, the ones that are actually Selection screening judges, the, yeah. the judges, the selection committee, and the programmers. I think this is something that they really have to take into consideration and look into it because this is what Putin would want to do, infiltrate the media and the way they you know, That's get true. into showing people that, oh, this is accepted and we've gotten an award, so we can do whatever we want. There I go with my soapbox. Other than that, we had a wonderful time, even with the security guy that we met. Oh, yeah. That From we've seen. Year, previous years, when they used to have the Cadillac Lounge somewhere in, in the forgotten land of Well, it was downtown. closer to the, um, the Chelsea area and to the cinema where all of the press and industry screenings were going on. They had nothing in the theater. They didn't even have seating available for anyone who was going in between one film to the other. We missed that very much. It was a great little lounge. Everyone was able to come in and kind of have a little reprieve. It was a press lounge. Right, but not only that, they had, we ran into Mariel Hemingway that time. When you looked over, you said, that looks like Mariel Hemingway. And I said, that is Mariel Hemingway. And I talked to her about the film that she had a few years ago yeah. at Tribeca. So it was open to anyone who just needed a, a little place to kind of grab a bite or get yeah. something and some the makeup or whatever. The hospitality was better at that point, but... The concentration of where we had to be was a lot more accessible this year. Definitely. Yeah. But we did it, and we had a, a we wonderful, had a great time. And wonderful the weather was great. It was. We had wonderful spring in New York. Traveling into the city and out, we scheduled ourselves very well, and it wasn't taxing. I just have to say it was the best one I enjoyed. I did, too. I did, too. Very yeah. good. Ring the bell. Okay. That's it. That's it. See you, folks. Next time. Goodbye. Oh. This program has been recorded at We Chief Productions and produced by March Hair Media. Go to marchhairmedia.com.